You know, we believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and we believe those words because He gave them to us. And that in the Bible, some of it's black and then some of it's red. And my song today is a red-letter day, and it talks about no matter what the weather is, no matter what how the day's been, I've still got promises if I believe those red letters and those inspired words that are in that Bible. a smile on my face Though it was raining, I'm still mostly sunny under shades of grey I've decided even if the clouds won't go away I'm having a red letter day Living like Jesus said I could hate sunshiny outside right now and uh so i guarantee you it's raining we're going to continue with our series on the book of nehemiah you can head to nehemiah chapter four and thinking about strengthening our hands for the work 
And uh, the, you know, getting ready for revival and getting ready for uh, the services. And, you know, the preacher, the evangelist can't bring revival with him. He, he can't do it. And, uh, well, I was thinking about last week we were talking about chapter 3 and rebuilding those gates. And it was all about teamwork. That's what the chapter 3 was about. And, we, and it was really neat when we had also part 1 and part 2 of the messages there in Nehemiah and it, because all those gates, all those gates are very significant. And today we're going to get into, so everybody's doing their part. Everybody's working really hard. And isn't that what we want as a church? We want everybody pulling their weight, everybody doing their part, working hard because God's going to do His thing who had given the burden? God did. Who did He give it to? He gave it to the leader, Nehemiah. Nehemiah shared his burden, and everybody said, yes. You know what? I believe with all my heart, and it works this way every time in God's Word and also with His churches today. You know what He's going to do? He's going to burden uh, my heart, and He's also going to burden your heart. And because all of those burdens will also match up with the Word of God. It'll match up with that. In Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1, let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation, and mocked the Jews. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this opportunity that we can see in Your Holy Word that when God's people get busy, and Satan always has somebody to mock us, to, to try to discourage us. Matter of fact, it's probably one of the greatest weapons that Satan has is discouragement. May we realize that discouragement does not come from you, but comes from the devil and comes from those that are against you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, as we look at this uh, uh, passage here uh, this morning for just a little while, and of course you can Follow along in your bulletin or up on the screen, either one. Satan's mightiest weapon. I mean, it's for everybody. Matter of fact, there may be somebody here this morning that you, you came to church and you were discouraged. <laughs> Some people can get discouraged just based upon the weather. And uh, it, it, yeah, we can be discouraged because the sun is not shining. You can be discouraged because something happened at work or something happened with a family member. But did you know that Satan is behind discouragement? It's not the Lord. Matter of fact, I was kind of along the same line. I was looking at the front of our bulletin this morning, and it's a very awesome, powerful Scripture. If you didn't notice it, you know what it said? 1 Corinthians 10.13. Some of you know that verse. That God will not put on you any more than you can bear, if you will. He... In other words, he, and he could put on you more than you can bear, but you know what it also says, the other promise of that verse? He said, but we'll make a way 
to escape. And that's a, that's great promises. So he's not he doesn't intend for us to be overwhelmed. You know, I think I uh, I ran across this. I was reading and studying about this this week, and G.K. Chesterton has got full. Of, he's just a lot of quotes and uh, concerning the Christian life and just life in general. <clears throat> the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and to love our enemies. He said, probably because they're the same people. In the case of the Jews rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, this was certainly true. The enemies were right there. Some of them were Arabians. Some of them were their own countrymen. Matter of fact, we mentioned earlier in during Sunday school the, about the Apostle Paul, and uh, some of them were studying and talking about, you know, his greatest persecution was from his own countrymen because they didn't believe in Jesus. Matter of fact, he was a, a very affluent and a very politically connected person until he got saved. And the Apostle Paul then faced great uh, persecution and people that were against him. And let's just, looking at our text and, and how that Satan works, and let's just start going through the Bible here. Satan wants to discourage you this morning. How does Satan discourage? Number one, in our text, of course, we won't reread it, but it says that there were some people that discouraged Nehemiah. But uh, Satan also has all sorts of other weapons. In the book of John, chapter 8, in verse 44, the Word of God describes Satan, and then we'll just slide on over after we read this one, and uh, we'll head to Revelation. And read a verse there, all talking about how Satan works. And so I'll put a finger there in John, and then also in Revelation chapter 12. All right, the very first one that we'll look at about Satan is John chapter 8 and verse 44, which says this. Now, Jesus was speaking here, and he told this group of people, You are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father, that means the desires of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. That means his own desires, his own will. And he says, for he is a liar and the father of it. Very famous verse that Satan is the father of lies. Now, there's another verse in the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. The Word of God is again describing Satan. And it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Talking about Satan. And uh, matter of fact, this war is described back on in verse 7. But uh, just looking at this, what does it say? The very last part of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. He's the accuser and accuses us about us before the throne of God night and day. Okay. Well, let's just talk about this real quick. Satan, basically this, all these verses, all of this information is that Satan wants to discourage you. He wants to use 
things, places, and people to discourage us. Hey, folks, the Apostle Paul, matter of fact, one of the greatest, matter of, Jesus said, among those born of women, there hath not arisen greater than John the Baptist. And even John the Baptist, before he was <laughs> beheaded, chopped, they killed him, all right? That normally kills you when that happens, okay? And uh, that'll get you every time they chop your head off. And they did. That, that's a capital punishment. Everybody cries out, oh, oh, capital punishment. Before there was ever a law given, right off the ark, when they step off the ark and they started this whole world over with eight people, you know, God said, oh, by the way, if anybody kills anybody, their blood, gonna be, they're going to be killed too, all right? Just, we're going to kill them back. So who's the very first person to come up with capital punishment? Well, of course, John the Baptist didn't do anything worthy of death besides preach the truth. If that's not, of course, that, that's what got him in jail. And he said, man, I wonder, is Jesus really the one? And he sent a message to Jesus. He said, are you really the one or should we look for another? And... Uh, you know, and he said, hey, this, this, he, Jesus told his disciples, hey, listen, he's a good guy. But tell, give him this message back. The lame are being healed. The sick are being healed. The dead are rising from the, uh, from the grave. And he said, it's going to be all right. And it was all right. Folks, even John the Baptist got discouraged. The Apostle Paul, uh, he had a great attitude in the Philippian jail, but uh, even he got discouraged sometimes. Matter of fact, he describes it. He said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I need to do, I don't do. He said, there's always a struggle going on to do the right thing. You know, in our text, back over here, in chapter verse 2, it says, another way is that people go to name-calling, mocking, and tearing at their confidence. Verse 2, and he spake before the brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, why do these feeble Jews, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they, are they going to start their sacrifices all over again? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of the rubbish which are burned? Basically, he's caught feet. Notice he said feeble Jews. He's calling them names. He's mocking them. You know, I tell you what, I remember whenever I was in, uh, coming up through elementary school and middle school and high school. And there's always people when you're in school that love to call names, mock, and uh, just just basically belittle and accuse you. And I, you know what I thought when I was a senior? I'll be glad when I graduate and get out of school and where people will act mature. And then I graduated. I remember going to seminary, and I moved out of the house when I was 18 years old and just uh, never looked back. I moved out, and I was gone. And uh, moved out, and I'm moving into seminary, bachelor quarters. My mama Reese, she said, Michael, I know you're moving out. You need to get a footlocker with a lock on it. I said, Mama, I'm moving to seminary. She said, yeah, but there's always a bad apple in every bunch. 
you gotta look, you gotta lock your stuff up, you know. She said, be on the lookout for the bad apples, you know. And, you know, and then I, then I found out when I moved out of high school and I thought I was gonna get away from all the immaturity name calling, just plain old imbeciles. And, uh, and I found out age is not an indicator of maturity. And it doesn't matter what job you work, what college you attend, or wherever you may live or go, there's always people that are looking for a reason to mock, name call, ridicule, deride, accuse. And these folks were grown-ups. So it doesn't matter our age, does it? Yeah, we're looking, oh yeah, Brother Michael's right. Well, of course, it's all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. Age is not an indicator of maturity or, 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 or being more, I'm not going to act like I did when I was three. And so that's what's happening. And then in verse 3, we even have a comedian in the bunch. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite, he thought he would be funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, they're rebuilding that wall, but I guarantee you, y'all know them little red foxes running around here? If a little bitty red fox were to jump up on that wall, you know what would happen? It would come crashing down because those people don't know what they're doing. They're crazy. So, folks, right here in our text, we got people accusing, name calling, slandering. We got a comedian in the bunch. You know, I remember, and it always is, you know, there's people that uh, don't have a clue. You know, and people that love to laugh at other people's misfortune and other people's calamity, other people's. Uh, time of suffering. And guess what they were doing here? They were, of course, making jokes and laughing at them, hoping to discourage them. Even in verse 7 and 8, there were even threats. In verse 7 and 8 it says, And it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, that they were still very angry. I can't believe they're having success. And notice verse 8, and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. So folks, they went from what? They went from laughing and name-calling and mocking the what? If y'all keep doing that, we're going to come up there and whoop you. I remember uh, working with a bunch of people. There was a common saying. A common saying. After work, we meeting in the parking lot. <laughs> After work, we meeting in the parking lot. I'm thinking, I'm not in junior high anymore. So what if you didn't have all of your break time? What does that have to do with me? After work, we meeting in the parking lot. That's exactly what we have here. That's exactly what that is. After work, we meeting in the parking lot. <laughs> because when all else fails, when I can't outsmart them, maybe I can outpunch them. <laughs> yeah, I'm really mature. 
Yep. Well, the effect of discouragement is this. When you know, folks, again, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, before we read these 10, 11, and 12 and all of this and what the, what's happening with the people and, and all of this, there's, I, there's no way in the world that we can have a crowd this size this morning and somebody didn't come to church this morning not discouraged. I mean, you, you may be discouraged and, and it may be, you've had those days where it's just a little bit discouraged. Well, I'm just, man, I'm just, you know, I'm disappointed. Disappointed is kind of mild discouragement. You know, and if you're really down the path, I'm really tore up about something. You could be tore up. Somebody could, uh, you could be discouraged about somebody uh, failing a test. Or you could be discouraged somebody about just messing, messing their life up. But there's all sorts of levels of discouragement. This morning, let me tell you what, there's hope. There's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Him. And there's certain ways to react whenever we're discouraged. But let's look at what our initial, when you first get discouraged, and all of us have done this, people begin to doubt. Their eyes are on the problem. Let's look in uh, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of the burdens is decay." And there is much rubbish so that we're not able to build the wall. Uh, they start doubting. People begin to doubt because what did I put in the bulletin there? People, their eyes are on, I just, I just, we can't do it. It's overwhelming because your eyes are on the problem instead of the person of Jesus Christ. People just become disgusted. People are tired. Look at verse 11. And our adversary said... Now, this, what they're doing there is repeating. It's not, they're not quoting the adversary here. In other words, the adversary is not talking. These are the good guys saying what their adversary said. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in amongst them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Verse 12, And it came to pass when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times. In other words, they didn't just say it once. They kept saying it over and over again. Ten times from all places, whence or where you shall return unto us, they'll be upon you. They're going to come. They're going to sneak up on you. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. People, folks, it's easy to become discouraged. It's easy to doubt what God can do, and then just plain old burnout, which is basically saying this: that I just we've done it. When it says when it says there, it says they said unto us how many times? Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. Not it says they said it ten times. That's a lot. I'm getting tired of y'all. Why are you doubting? Nehemiah, he's saying, let's work. Let's work. Let's do. Let's work, folks. So many of us, y'all come to church, and you come to church, and you come to church, you say, well, I really don't get anything out of coming to church. Why come to church, Brother Michael? But a lot of times we don't get anything out of church because we're not putting anything into church. Investing. We're just going through the motions. We're just, I mean, whenever we're, we come to church and we're not expecting anything, we probably won't get anything. 
Every now and then, God is good. Hey, listen, I've been guilty of this. I've come to church even as a preacher, not expecting anything to happen, and God gives us something good anyway. You know what I mean? Y'all have done that before. Just come to church and you just come to church. Why? Because you've done it for so long. And But you're not really expecting anything and something good happens. Well, let's start expecting something. Matter of fact, God's Word says this, You have not because you ask not. Let's ask Him. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask and it shall be given unto you. That's a great promise. You know, in Romans chapter 15, there's a very encouraging word there. In Romans 15 and verse 4, the Word of God says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And folks, that hope wasn't a hope. It happens, but it's going to be all right. Now, the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, to say to come to church and say, and it says to do this to each other. Those three verses that we just read there in Romans 15 says to each other, to give each other encouragement. Hey, are you having a down day? Wrap your arm around your friend, your brother or sister in Christ. Have a word of prayer with them right then and there. Many of you will call one of the If you want a word of encouragement, I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. Call any time between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Call Sister Frances. She would love to pray with you. Do y'all know she'll pray with you over the phone? She will. After 8 p.m., she might be in bed now, so let her her have a nap now. (laughs) So 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., she, I guarantee you, if she answers the phone and says, I'm having a discouraging date, she will pray with you immediately. Let's follow that example. Wrap your arm around somebody this week and have a word of prayer with them. Encourage them. It says it right there. It says to each other. To do that to each other. Not None of us are lone rangers. None of us are an island unto ourselves. We all need encouragement. And those folks over there with Nehemiah and all those... Try to use appropriate language. All those mean people around them. They needed encouragement. Well, they had a leader, and his name was Nehemiah. What can we do when we're discouraged? Well, we can pray. We can pray. In as we look to this prayer, we find Nehemiah praying in verse 4 and 5. And he prays and he says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. And then in verse 9, 
in the very first part of it, it says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Folks, we prayer can go a long way. Prayer and planning. Matter of fact, in verse 9 we have prayer and planning. Prayer and planning go a long ways. I said, you know what? You, you may be, these people all may have Nehemiah surrounded, but we can pray. Did you know we're supposed to pray for our enemies? We're supposed to pray for those that mock us, that may maybe make fun of us, just like they did in grade school, and when they make, make you want to uh, punch them. <laughs> but folks, the Bible doesn't say to punch our enemies. You know what it says? Pray for our enemies. It does. Well, I've got something I want to wake you up. I've got something some of y'all may be saying, Okay, I'm hanging in there, preacher. I've got Miss Barbara. Would you mind helping me out? We're going to sing a song together. Talking about y'all. All right? Now, what it is is an old song. And this really goes right along with the message, okay? And what I'm going to do is I'm, how many of you have ever heard this song? It goes, I've been redeemed, and it's an echo song. Anybody ever heard it? A few of you. Okay. Miss Barbara is going to lead the echo. All right? That's all of y'all. So y'all sing with Miss Barbara. Y'all ready? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Said with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And that's not all. There's more besides. And that's not all. There's more besides. And that's not all. There's more besides. I've been to the river and I've been baptized. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Some of you are not singing. Here we go. There Now, the third verse. Y'all pay attention. She's y'all's leader. All right? Y'all pay attention. The third verse goes with what we're talking about. You can talk about me just as much as you please. You can talk about me just as much as you please. You can talk about me as much as you please. I'll talk about you down on my knees. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. One more time. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost, I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Y'all been redeemed? Say amen. Amen. Thank you. You did great. I asked her to do that yesterday at the ordination, and she said, sure, with a little nervous hesitation. And uh, But... That's a great song. That last verse says, You can talk about me just as much as you please, but I'll talk about you down on my knees. And I hope that that's always... Nehemiah did, did that. As a matter of fact, that makes that all of those verses in that song a scriptural song. You know, and there's so many verses 
talk about what do we do. Okay, number one, we should pray. And yes, we should sing when we're discouraged. That's in the Bible too. The Apostle Paul and Silas in this morning's message or lesson. They did that. Verse 14 of our text. Hopefully you just kept your Bible up on that same page. But verse 14 says this. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not you afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses, which means this, folks, it's okay to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus, and I want to stand with my family and protect my family. Did you know the Bible doesn't say that Christians should be pacifists? That means... Well, if there's war, there's war. I'm not going to fight. You know, the religion, some people won't join the army or, you know, defend their country. But in the Bible, it says, defend your country, defend your homes, defend your families. And so they went to work. All of them praying with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand. You know, the Bible, if you move on down to verse 21, that old song that's in our hymnal, Work for the Night is Coming. In verse 21 says, So we labored in the work. Half of them held the spears for the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Now that's working. That's working. There was uh, one particular slide that I want Daniel to hit. It's got the men praying at the bench. Just find that slide, Daniel. And just uh, hit on that. You know, as I think about all of us having prayer together, and uh, we want revival. That's what needs to happen. And I'm not afraid to pray. I'm not afraid to get on my knees. I'm not afraid to do this in a public place. This picture... And some other pictures that we'll see toward the invitation happened in a park where they had prayer and preaching and revival in a very public place. Let's not be afraid to say, I, I, I will stand for the truth and I'll do it publicly. And that's what had to happen here. The planning and the teamwork. Verse 16 and 17 refer to uh, them working together. From that time forth that half my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held with spears and shields. And verse 17 says, They which builded the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one of them, one of his hands wrought in the work. And the other hand held a weapon. Basically this, today, we, fortunately we don't have anybody threatening to kill us if we're building a wall. But folks, we can say, I'll stand for the truth. And what if you, you had a choice today that I'll stand for God or I'll be thrown in jail? That's how I'm not afraid. Because what if you're being thrown in jail for praying publicly cause somebody to get saved? And that would be worth it all. And they, they were very persistent. 
Matter of fact, we'll kind of end here the, the regular part of the message on a funny note. And uh, in verse 23, <laughs> it says that they were, they were willing to work so long that they didn't even want to change clothes. So it says it right there. We don't even have time to change clothes. <laughs> yeah, the only time we're going to take them off is whenever we have to wash them. So in other words, our chapter, the whole chapter this morning, was about what? I may be discouraged, but I'm not giving up. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation. You may be discouraged, but what was the very first thing that they did after they got discouraged? They prayed. You know, Galatians 6-9 says that we shall reap if we faint not. You know what that means in regular old country boy terms? God will help us. We don't give up. He'll bless us if we don't give up. Father, I just thank you for this time and opportunity. If we want revival, we've got to hit our knees in prayer. If we are discouraged, we've got to hit our knees in prayer. If we want revival, we've got to wet this carpet with our tears and to pray and to be humble. If we want revival, it's got to start in our very heart. We can't be worried about our neighbors. We can't be worried about life's problems. We have to be concerned with what you as our Savior want us to do. May we fall before you on our knees. In Jesus' name, Amen.